So, this morning I woke up and um, I was getting ready and, you know, seeking the Lord on what to wear and I wanted to, I wanted to wear purple because Rachel loves, that's her favorite color. And um, I generally get hers and Abigail's mixed up because Rachel takes a lot after me and Rachel and Abigail takes a lot after uh, Nicole and I like blue. But this is the one area where they're flip-flop, so I have, to, I have to remember. I have to think through it which one it is. So Rachel likes purple and Abigail likes blue. And uh, I was like, I want to wear a tie just to bless my daughter and, and just, you know, be something for her and something special. And, and um, so, you know, because I've told you before, love does these things. It, love says what's important to you is important to me. Whether it's important to me beforehand or not. What's important to you is important to me. Well, if she likes purple, then that's important to me. And uh, so I wanted to be a blessing. Well, I'm getting ready and, and uh, getting ready to head out. And about that time, Luke comes to the door. I hear a knock on the door and I'm like, come in. And uh, he comes in and he's got like a t-shirt and shorts on. And, and he goes, hey, daddy. And uh, he says, um, he says, can I wear these shorts to church? And I went, um, well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about it. I said, why am I wearing a suit to church? Why am I wearing a suit to church? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I wasn't really expecting him to answer. I just wanted to get him thinking, you know. And uh, he said, I don't know. I said, well, let me tell you why I'm wearing a suit. I said, the Lord, I basically told him, the Lord had one son, his beloved son. It was his very best. It was his very best. And the Lord saw all of our mess and all of our sins and all of our mess ups. And when we deserve to go to a devil's hell that wasn't even designed for us, but that's where our sin placed us. When we deserve to go there, God didn't give us second best. He gave us our best. That even though we messed up, he still loved us enough to give us his best. And I said, it's not quite the same thing, but when I go to church, I'm, I want to give God my best. I want to give him my best. So when we go to church, we don't, you know, we don't want to just do whatever, right? You know, we don't want to just do whatever. And, you know, some people have been taught this and some people haven't. And, you know, when I first started, uh, don't uh, listen right now. Just don't take any condemnation over what you may or may not be wearing, right? I'm just telling you there's, there's times for this. There's times and the Holy Ghost will start to he'll start to come in, and he'll start to say, oh, I need to do things a little bit differently. So when we first started the church, um, I wore jeans and an untucked shirt. Right? It was basically a button-up shirt, but jeans and untucked shirt. Some of you remember that. And uh, I never that and why did I do that? Because I was ready, I was really uncomfortable. Oh my goodness, I was uncomfortable doing that. I'm like, I'm a preacher. At the very least, I need to be wearing khakis and my shirt tucked in or something because that's how I was raised. And, uh, but the Lord told me, he said, I want you to wear jeans and untuck your shirt. So, okay. 
And uh, he did it for a reason. He was trying to connect with uh, society and everything. But there's seasons for things, right? There's seasons for things. And when we moved in this building, the Lord said, you need to start wearing a suit. And actually, a year before that, he told me, uh, he said, he said uh, I'm getting ready to give you some new clothes, some nice clothes, right? And I went, well, glory to God, I receive it, you know, amen. And uh, he said, I'm about to give you some nice clothes. And uh, I said, amen. Well, about a year, a uh, year to a year and a half went by and nothing had come in that I knew of. And he hadn't told me to go buy anything. And uh, I actually, I was, I was like, hey, I thought you told me you were going to give me some new clothes. And uh, I thought you told me you were going to do that. And he said, I did, they're coming. I was like, oh, okay. All right, and, <laughs> all right then. And uh, so it was funny because right after that, uh, within two days, one day one happened and the next day the next happened. Within two days, uh, I was given four brand new suits, right? Within two days. And, and here was the issue. Here's why the waiting was there was because I was... When he told me that, I was about to go on those fasts that we were talking about earlier, and I lost a bunch of weight. Well, had he given me the suits right when he told me, I'd have had and all the suits wouldn't have fit. They would have been no good. They would have been too big, right? And uh, so once I had been obedient, he gave me, and, and now I was prepared with the right ones. You know, I was like, glory to God, you know. God's smarter than we are. He's got this thing figured out. Believe it or not, like he knows more than we do. <laughs> Can I get an amen, amen. right? Amen. And uh, so anyway, it just really blessed me. And so within a week, within a couple of days, I've got four brand new suits. Well, it was almost that exact same time right after that that we moved into this building. And uh, when we moved into this building, the Lord spoke to me, I believe, and, and he said, you need to start dressing better. I said, okay. You know, and I'm, you know, if y'all know me, my brain is immediately going, why? <laughs> why do I need to start dressing better? Like, because you told me one thing at the beginning, so now you're telling me something else. So I'm curious. I want to know why there's a difference, why there's a change. And he said, and he said this to me, and he said, the level that you're going to be ministering on, it's worth more than jeans and an untucked shirt. And not only will you look different and people will receive you differently, right? They'll, they'll actually open up differently because of that. But not only that, but I want to bless you with it as well. I want to bless you with it. So, you know... Sometimes when you see people that are dressed up like they're wanting to show off, and, but then sometimes they're actually wanting to show the goodness of God as well. So every time I wear one of those suits that was given and those you know, new clothes, like I'm excited to show what the Lord has done because it's His blessing. I didn't do it. He did it. Right, he did it, and it and it blessed me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold back glory from him and not show people how good he is. Sorry, you know. One time I had a guy, and uh, he came in, and uh, he was full of religion, and it was at our old building, and I was driving an old beat up car, and um, you know, and whose fault was that? Well, uh, it, 
Probably mine, honestly, if we're looking at it. Probably mine on, on driving that. I think we had made some bad choices, stuff like that. Uh, but it's, it's just one of those things where if we'll get on with the Lord, we'll see that He will take us to new places. He will take us to new places. And if you don't believe that, then what in the world are you working for it for? It's like stop. I mean, if you don't think that you're supposed to go to better places in God, then don't work overtime, for goodness sake. Don't, you, that's, that's being hypocritical, right? And so, anyway, God's a prosperous God. And um, so, anyway, the guy walks up, and he's really full of religion. He said, I'm so glad to see a preacher uh, that doesn't have a nice car. I'm like, why not? I'm like, isn't God big enough and doesn't he love? You know, and I, I, did, I knew the guy was not going to, you know, not going to go with my way of thinking. And so I just, oh, okay. I was like, I'm not, you know, I'm not. I'm believing God for much better, you know. And uh, why? Because God's a great God. And if you start to get to know him, you'll realize he's a lot bigger than a dumpy car, right? And our witness is not to be uh, a dumpy car witness. We're supposed to be the blessed children of God, and the world's looking at it. The world's looking at it. The world is looking at you. And we need, even if you're, you know, like me, my dumpy car was getting me places, it was functional, it was productive. But the world was looking at it. And it doesn't matter if it does what I need it to do. It's what does it do in the hearts and the minds of other people. Because I am responsible for my witness. Remember, abstain from every appearance of evil. Right? This is so good. He said, abstain from every appearance of evil. Did you know there was nothing but the blessing of God in the garden? Evil and sin is what brought lack and curse. And if I'm going to abstain from the appearance of evil, then I'm, I'm going to abstain from the fruit of the curse. And the fruit of the curse is lack. So my point is, it's not that we can't be at those places. It's that our heart should be to trust in God to go up higher. Yeah. Lord, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Yeah. I'll go. And then all of a sudden, look, the world, does the world care that you don't lie? No. The people that are not born again, they don't have the love of God operating them. Do they care that you have morals? No. They could care less. Do they care if you're here on Sunday morning? No, now we, we should be here. We're supposed to be here. We understand this is a lifeline for us. Uh, the, the church is a lifeline to us. But do they care about that? No. What do they care about? Me, myself, and I. That's what they care about. And so what they do is they look at your life and they say, do they have anything to give me? Is there anything I can get from them? Right? You know, and so they'll look at your life and your life preaches the goodness of God or not. Your life preaches a life of evil and the fruit of it or not. It preaches a life of blessing walking in the life of God, right? It preaches one or the other. And so, you know, I wasn't going to argue with him, but I learned, look, I'm, you know, the world and religion would have me feel bad because of having junky things. I mean, having nice things. 
It would say, like that guy said, I'm glad to see a preacher with a junky car, basically, or whatever he said along those lines. That, that's religious garbage. Why? Because the Lord has given us an abundance. He wants us to have an abundance for every good work. What that, what that guy just said to me, it irritated me, not because he said it. It irritated me because that was my testimony. That was my witness. Because what he just told me is, you don't even have an abundance to have a decent car. How are you going to have an abundance to do every good work that God's calling you? I mean, he's given me this great, great vision, but I don't even have enough abundance to have a car that's a decent testimony. Not even a good testimony, but a decent testimony. It's a horrible testimony. And the world's not looking at your morals. They're looking at, is God good? See, they look at your life, they look at your stuff, and they say, is God good? Because if he's not good, I don't want anything to do with him. And you know what? I don't blame him. If he wasn't good, I wouldn't want anything to do with him. But he is good. He's so good. He's so good. And because he's so good, I want more to do with him. And the world's, remember, it's the goodness of God. That leads men to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads men to change. It's the goodness of God. And so I don't, you know, religion would say, well, look at him dressing nicely and, you know, with those nice clothes and shoes and watch. Or look at him with that, with that nice, that nice uh, car. Or nice Look, well, they don't have any problem. That, and religion tries to make you feel bad for the blessing of God. Listen, God gave me this. He told me he was going to do it. He told me. And when it came through, it made me want to serve him even more. It made me want to serve him even more. And it will make the world want to do the same thing. And it's religion that says otherwise. It's religion that says otherwise. And so I was talking to Luke. I hadn't forgot about that. And I said, look, I said, I'm not going to hide God's blessings. Now, I didn't tell him this this morning, but I'm not going to hide God's blessings. But it's important for us. God gave us his best. And I want to give him my best. You know, what we wear is just an indicator of that. And guess what? I, your best can be a holy pair of jeans. But believe God for more. Believe him for what he has available. There was a period of time, uh, they were talking, Brother Copeland was talking last night about the ugly house they first had. We actually had a house. Our name for the house was the ugly house. That was our name for it. That's what we call it. That's how we refer to it now. Why? Because when we went into our living room, weeds were coming up through the floor. Is that right? So I'm not telling you this like, oh, high and mighty, you know, Pastor Brian. I'm telling you, if God loves us like that, he's no respecter of person. He loves you like that. And no matter what level you're on, if you'll just go after him, he'll say, come on, son or daughter, let me show you my goodness. And then our job is not to get embarrassed by persecution because God showed you his goodness. Because he showed you his goodness. No, that's something to say, God's so good. 
You know, I've had, I've had different ministers get on and they watch or see a clip or something. They're like, man, you look sharp this morning. And, and my response is not like, oh, thank you. Yeah, that's not my response. My response is, God is so good. He gave me these. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes from him. This is a good gift. I like it. If he tells me to give it, I'll give it. If he doesn't, I won't. I'll just be obedient. But he gave it. It's his goodness. And because he gives me of his best, I want to give him of my best. I want to give them of my best. And my best at certain times have been, I didn't even have a suit. I barely had dress shoes, right? That's been my best before, but God didn't leave me there. As I applied the things of the word, and then when you apply the things of the word, he won't leave you there either because he loves you and he desires to give you his best. He is not withholding any good thing from his righteous people. He's not withholding it. He's wanting to get his goodness into yeah. you. Yeah. I remember one day years ago at the old building, and while we were still wearing jeans, you know, and uh, I, this was before he told me to shift, you know, what I was wearing. And, uh, and, and look, people, when they come in here, I do not care how they come in here. Like, you come in here with ratty clothes, if that's all, but you come. God, the Holy Spirit will help you with that. He'll help you. If it needs cleaning up, he'll help you clean up. I'm not trying to clean you up. My job is to point you to the one who loves you, and then I'll be here when you want to be helped, right? And I'll, I'll give you a hand and lift you up as long as you want to hang on to mine, and, we'll, and we will lift up together. We'll grow together. But they come in here, you know, ratty clothes, smelling. I'm a hug them. I'm a love them. And they are welcome here. Why? I, why? Because these are God's people. Yeah. You know why else? They were me. They were me. See, you might not could have smelled my mess. Oh, but I had it. It was the worst kind. It was on the inside. Yeah. That was me. Mine just, just you know, looked cleaned up more. But I had all the problems. Probably deeper and wider than that. I don't care where you're at. Sometimes we can see the issues and sometimes we can't. But we got to get to the place where we say, oh, I'm, I'm accepting of that person. I'll love on them. And I'll love on them whether they're lovable or not. I'll, I'll love on them. I'll love on them. I'll love them. Why? Because I'm going to give God my best. And he says, if you'll do it to one of these, you're doing it to me. Mm. Right? And so I'm not, I'm not getting on to anybody for what they dress, but what I'm saying is this, no matter where you're at, there's a point where you say, God wants better for me. And you start to say that because you start to get to know him. And if he wants better for me, then I also want to give him my best. And if I don't have the best that I think is the best now, then Lord, will you give me the best Amen. so I can give you the best? He says he gives seed to the sower. And don't, if you want to give him the honor of your best, won't he give you the seed yep. to supply that that you're trying to give? He does. He gives it out of our heart. And so you start to believe on that. Amen. This, that, that, was, that was like pre-sermon. Okay, now we're, now we're getting into the sermon. And so... <laughs> 
It was good stuff, though. It was a good pre-sermon. Glory to God. How many people needed to hear the pre-sermon? Amen. And if you didn't raise your hand, it was for you. Glory to God. You think I'm joking. I'm not. So, now, here's the thing. I told Luke, I said, look, I want to give him my best. I want to give God my best. My best. Yeah. I want to give God my best. So is your best, you know, I asked him, I said, is your best those shorts? I said, why do you want to wear those shorts? He was like, because they're comfortable. I was like, noted. <laughs> noted. Granted. That, you're right. I said, but is it your best? He said, nah, probably not. I said, let's, 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 give, let's give them your best. Okay. Well, what am I doing? I'm teaching him at five something that took us years to learn. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Glory to God. He won't have to go through some of the same stuff mm -hmm. because he learns how to honor God early on. Right? Yeah. He learns how to honor the Lord. And, and you know, I'm, I'm looking at Jadius here because he's got shorts on right in front of me and I'm feeling bad for him, but it, it's all right. Look, come here real quick. Let me show you something. This is a really nice outfit. That's a really nice outfit. It looks awesome. And this might be some people's best, right? Might, might be yours. I don't know. But here, here's the fact. Don't be condemned. In yeah. Christ there's no condemnation. Yeah. And this looks really nice. This is, and this is actually acceptable in our society today in church. But if the Lord tells you to do something, then do something. If he doesn't, don't. But you don't feel bad about it. You look awesome. You look sharp, man. Yeah, amen, amen. I'm, I'm just telling you, the question is, what's God written on your heart? He could have woke up this morning and God said, this is what I want you to wear. This, he does this to me all the time. I seek him. I say, what do you want me to wear today? Today, as I woke up, he said, I want you to wear something for Rachel. I said, amen. So, that purple tie it was. Right? And, and here's what people don't understand is, and, and you remember a couple of days, uh, it was a few weeks ago, I didn't have a coat on. You know why? God told me not to wear one. Why? I don't know. Could have been somebody watching that received the word that day. Y'all were fine with whatever I had, but that one person needed to see a, a preacher that wasn't in a coat. The key is to listen to the Lord. And what's your best? Your best is whatever the Lord says. That's your best. That's the best in your offering. That's the best in your dress. That's the best in your day-to-day -day life. What has God said? That's the best in your worship. That's the best in your, in your marriage. It's the best parent you can be. What has God said? I can't tell you how many times I've worn certain things and all of a sudden what I wore sparked the conversation that led somebody to the Lord. Yesterday uh, we were out in Charlotte and um, a gentleman came up to me and he said, hey, would you buy me lunch? Now, why would he ask me? Why would he pick me out of all these different people? Well, yesterday I was in a suit. And, suit. I didn't have a tie on, but I was in a suit. Hopefully I looked decent. But I assume that what he said was, this guy looks like he has money. Remember what I said earlier about the world? They, they want to know 
who can help me? And sometimes it's a meal, but what they don't realize is, uh, this, I believe this guy said, this guy's got money to help me. I'm going to ask him. He's got the resources to help him. And I did have the resources to help him. Guess what? He came to know Jesus just a few minutes later. Why? Because I was there presenting a good father. Presenting a good father. Not in preaching. I wasn't preaching. Matter of fact, when he spoke to me, I actually, the Lord, I, was, I sought the Lord. I said, what do you want? I wasn't like overly friendly to him. And because the Lord told me to be a certain way with him. It got, it got his attention that I was real. And so as we had a few minutes in line, the realness came through to him. And he realized I was not pulling, you know, I was not, you know, blowing smoke. I was real. I started praying with him. The Holy Spirit started touching him. I said, what's happening in you right now? I said, is the Lord touching you? He said, yeah. I said, can I do that? He said, nope. I said, that's the Lord because he loves you. I said, now, if you want help right now, you don't need my help or anybody else. You need his help. And if you'll do things his way, he will bless you just like he blesses me. But what was he attracted to in the first place? What made him open up his mouth? The blessing of God. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's the goodness. They, men, and you know, men, mankind, sees the goodness and desires the goodness and God's goodness causes them to change. The best is whatever the Lord says. I can't tell you how many times I've asked the Lord, what do you want me to wear this morning or what do you want me to do? And it turns out to be a conversation and that person comes closer to Christ because of it. The best is whatever God says. Whatever he says. So Luke and I are having this conversation. This is what I want you to see this morning. This is in John 3, verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man will be lifted up. So that whoever believes in him, believes, will have in him eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved, not God was so mad at, God was so angry, God was so withholding. God was so angry that he put a curse on the whole world and because the people were in such a curse, they came to God. No, for God so loved the world. He loved them. That he gave, he gave his only begotten son, his beloved son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now I want you to see, this is the world that were enemies of God, that were doing it wrong. This was the world that knew the right thing to do. This is the world that knew the right thing to do and decided not to do it. This is the world that God wrote something on their heart, don't do this, and they did it anyway. Can you relate? I can. What we're not going to talk about is when you can relate to that, like this morning or maybe even during the message earlier 
when I might have made you mad or something. God said, forgive. But we didn't forgive. We blessed him out. If he do it to the world, won't he do it for you? You're a part of the world in that sense as well. In other words, he said, look, I'm going to give you my best. This is how much I care about you. This is how much I love you. I am going to give you my best. My best. I love you that much. I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to give you my best. Well, isn't this... Isn't this the heart of the Father? And aren't we supposed to become more like Him? Then shouldn't we return right back to Him? Oh, I have received your best, and now, Lord, let me give you my best. My best. And so, when we see this, I want you to just focus on this part, though. How much does He love you? How much does He love you? Enough to give you his best. He didn't have another son. This is the one. This is his best. This is his son without sin. This is his son in heavens with him on the throne. This is his son at the foundation of the earth creating everything. This is his son who hasn't messed up, who didn't do things wrong, who didn't deserve to become like a human. He didn't deserve to go to the cross. He didn't deserve to go to hell. He was perfect. And God says, even though, and this is what I told Luke this morning, even though all of us me too really messed up. God said, I don't want to leave you there. I'm going to give you my best. What kind of love does that? I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to give you, not just like some sidekick, not like the neighbor's kid. (laughs) I'm going to get, you can laugh, it's all right. I'm going to give you my best. My only. The most valuable. And I'm going to set your worth by what I pay for you. I'm going to set your worth, your value by the price that I'm willing to pay for you. And I'm not giving you some you know, neighbor's kid. I'm giving you my best. My best. I love you that much. That's what he was saying. And he didn't want to leave us. See, all he had to do was say, let's go create another earth. Let's go create another, you know, Milky Way galaxy. Let's go create another solar system just like this one. Make some more in our image that won't do what these did. Leave them alone. Oh, it wouldn't have have taken this earth would have already been gone. It would have already disintegrated if it wasn't for the mercy and the love of God. All he had to do if he wanted us destroyed was leave us alone. We were heading straight for that path and there would have been no hope. But that was never his design. His design was to get his love to us and he got his love to us by not leaving us alone and not leaving us in that place, but giving us his best. 
You are worth his best, not because you did everything right, but because he decided you're worth it to me. I set the worth. I set the value of who you are, and you are worth it to me. You're my best. And I don't want to leave you where you're at. I want to give you what you need. And so this is why I want to give you what you need to succeed, right? I want to give you these things. So I want you to look over here. At uh, John chapter 16. And starting at verse 5. God wants to give you his best. Earlier when we started the service, this was starting to come out of me. And this is, I, I was like, oh, I, Holy Spirit, are you going a different direction? And he was. It was starting to come out of me. You realize, what did he give you when he gave you Jesus? He gave you his best. But what did he give you? He gave you himself. Right? Didn't he give you God in Jesus? I I mean, think about that. We, Romans 5, sinners, helpless, enemies... Of God. And he says, oh, okay, sinner, helpless, enemy. All right, here's me. Here's me. Here's me. Sinner, helpless, enemy, here's me. I'm going to give you me. When he gave Jesus. What? That, like, all right. You, you ever had these, these points in your life where it's like you ever had a coworker or a boss or something and they're just like giving you a bunch of junk? Like, do you want to go to them and say, oh, here's me? No. No. We would say that's stupid. But yet that's what God did. Let me, oh, You're my enemy. Let me give you me. There's only one thing that makes that happen right. Wrong is stupidity, but right is love. Right? Because God's not stupid. He loves you that much. He says, look, if I don't help them, they're broke. They're done. They're complete. This system's already broke. They're going down the drain. But I made them in my image. I care about them. I love them. I value them. And even though this looks dumb to the world, to the flesh, this is exactly what love does. I'm going to give you me. I'm going to give you me. I'm going to give them my best. I'm going to give them God. Like these people that don't deserve anything, I'm going to give them God. That's what he said. But then he says, look, I don't want to just like pick them up out of the dirt so that they live, but now live in poverty of spirit. I don't want to just, you know, save them from complete annihilation and destruction. I want to give them the best. I want to give them everything. In Romans 8, 
32, he says, how will he not? You know, put, put Romans 8.32 up there just so we can see it. He says, how? How? Just, he, he's asking us to think about this. He's asking us to ponder this, right? He's asking us, how in the world, if he would give you Jesus, how in the world would he not with Jesus freely give us all things? He said, he who did not spare his own son. He didn't spare his son when we were a mess, when we were so messed up. He didn't spare his son. Couldn't he have spared his son? Couldn't he have said, I'm not giving you my son. What, you think I'm crazy? That's what the world would have done. And that's how the world has taught us to think. But that's not how God thinks. God says, oh, they're a mess. Here's me. And he had his only beloved son. He had his best. And he said, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. I'm going to give him for everybody. How? How will he not also with him freely give us all, all things? In other words, if he would give you Jesus, how in the world would he not freely give you everything else too? In other words, I'm not just going to, if I'm going to give you Jesus, I'm going to give it all to you. If I'm going to give you Jesus, I'm going to give you my best in every circumstance, in every situation. I'm not going to leave you there. I'm not just going to, just going to save you, but leave you destitute. I'm, if I'm going to give you Jesus, we're just going to go all the way with this. We're going to give you my best in every area of life and everything. And see, this is what, this is where religion has missed this. It's like they don't see the character and the heart of a covenant God who says, I love you and you're worth it to me. So how's he going to do that? How's he going to get his best to us? Let's read John 16, verse 5. He says, but now Jesus is talking. He says, but now I'm going to him who sent me. So Jesus is going to the Father. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. You, you see, it's like this is, this is such a great example of what we do all the time. God says, go do this. And, and we're like, oh, no, I can't do that. Like, like fasting. Like, hey, we're going to do it. I want you to do a fast. We're like, I don't want to fast. Right? <laughs> Nobody asks, how will you? Oh, how will you do the fast and how will you make it okay with me? Well, son, I will give you this supernatural strength to tell food no for a period of time. And actually, you will be a lot less hungry than what you think you are because I'm going to give you something supernatural. Oh, well, that helps me. Well, if you'd ask, but see, here's what's happened. He said, I'm going away, but nobody said, where are you going? They just got sorrow, sorry, because he was leaving. But they didn't realize that if God does something, it always brings you to a higher place. Yeah. Why? Because he's always giving you his best, his best, his best. His love demands that anything he asks from you will take you to a higher place. Anything that he asks from you will take you to a higher place. His love demands it. It's who he is. He can't help being that. He's like, hey, will you, you know, uh, there's the picture on the internet. I love it. It's like the Jesus and the little girl. And, and he's got this huge teddy bear behind him. But the little girl has a little small one. 
And, and he says, hey, just hand that to me. But the little teddy bear has the girl's heart and she's going, oh, no, I don't want to. See, the teddy bear has her heart more than Jesus does. But when we understand the character and nature of Jesus, like, oh, you're asking for something? Here, here, because he's got something better coming. That's who he is. His love, his character, his nature demands that. And so here he is saying, I'm going away. And they're not thinking positive about it. They're only thinking, we're going to be at a loss. And they're sorry because they will be at a loss because they won't have Jesus. And that looks like, well, they're just loving on Jesus. No, they're really being unfaithful to the character and nature of God. Right. Yeah, right. They're really... <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I don't know what you said, but I know what I thought you said, and that tripped me out. All right, so they're really... They're really... I'm going to come over here and preach for a second. <laughs> they really don't know God's character and nature. And so all they're seeing is the fleshly reaction instead of paying attention to the spiritual character. Right? They're seeing the flesh reaction and they're paying more attention to that than a God who always gives them the best. Now, see, we do that, and haven't we done that? And yet, see, this is what we get on to the Israelites for because the Israelites go out in. He saves them from Egypt, and then he says, go into that land. They're like, oh, no, we're going to die over there. Instead of going, oh, how will this happen? With excitement and expectancy because if you saved us from Egypt, surely you are going to save us when you take us into the promised land. Surely, because your character and your nature. It's got to be that way. There's no other way it can be. And yet, here they are. The disciples are doing the same thing. I'm going away. And they're like, oh, where, where are you going? He says, but now I'm going to him who sent me. This is a good thing. And it's better than what they think. And he says, and none of you ask me where you're going, but because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth it is to your advantage that I go away. Just like every other time the Lord does something, it's always to your advantage. That's his character. That's his nature. That's his thinking. It's to your advantage. It's to your advantage. God's up to something. My advantage. Glory to God. God's up to something. My advantage. My advantage. If God's up to something... I'm going to be at an advantage. You're going to be at an advantage because of whatever he does. Why? Because he is so good and he has one thing on his mind and that is getting you his best because he loves you. It's the same thing with, with my kids. I love them. I want to get my best to them. I don't want to withhold anything. I want them to have the best. I want them to have the best. But you know what? Sometimes I tell them, don't eat ice cream for three meals a day. Now, their mind is going, but the best is ice cream. And I get that. I understand that. I'm with you. But it's not actually the best. Yeah. You actually, your health will go downhill after a period of time because there's no nutrients and the sugar is not, you know, like the best for you. But their flesh, like a child's flesh, no, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. But because I want the best, I'm going to say, no, you need to eat like, you know, 
vegetables. Not Taco Bell all the time. Unless you're eating the salad at Taco Bell, which I don't think they have. So, again, you know, they have a salad? A taco salad, yeah. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> so, no, it's, you, you have to understand that what the Lord says, sometimes your flesh is going to go, no, but, but, but I want that. Just like you did when it was three. The flesh is still the same. But, 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 but I want the candy. I want, I want the sugar. I want the ice cream. But, 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 but I want to sit on my couch on Saturday and not go flyering. <laughs> but, 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 but. Or there's a question of do you know the character and nature of God? Do you know that he's planted you in a place that has a vision and mission to fulfill his? And if he's asking you for something, I know that it's to my advantage. If you start to know him like that, it starts to become a non-option to you. I'll do everything you want me to do. Lord, you show me what to do. You've planted me in a place. The Holy Ghost has planted me in a place. And now you're giving vision and mission to the place that I'm planted in. I'm going to honor you by honoring where you place me. And if they say we need to fast, we're going to fast. If they say we need to go put out, hand out some flyers, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to esteem you. I'm going to give you my best. Even though the couch is really comfortable on Saturday morning. Or whatever. Right? It's, I'm seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness over the flesh. Because your character and your nature is worth it. So, he says, but I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send the helper to you. I will send the helper to you. What? You'll send the helper to me. You'll send the helper. Who's the helper? It's the Holy Ghost. Well, who's the Holy Ghost? It's God. He says, look, I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you destitute. I'm going to send you helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you me again. I sent you me one time to get you out of the mess and open up the door to the Holy Ghost. But now I'm going to send you the one that will help you in every area of your life. It's the Holy Spirit. Every area of your life. Now, if, if God, let's say, you know, all right, let's just say that, that God walks in, all right, and uh, the camera can follow me however back, far back. Yeah, all right, so now I'm back. All right, let me walk off the screen. Stop there. Glory to God. All right, let's say that we're all sitting in church, and all of a sudden the doors bust open. Boom. And the doors bust open, and here comes God. Oh, angels are singing. Oh, right? And then he comes up here, and he turns around. You know, he's like, I am that I am. And he probably doesn't smirk when he says it. I'm imagining. He could. He might laugh. He's, he's funny. He's a joyful person. He's a joyful guy. But let's say God himself shows up right here, right? He walks in. Boom. Well, first of all, if the Father does that, like we're all laid out. 
Right. But let's say for somehow we can withstand it for a moment. And God says this. God says, by his holy word, right in front of you, I've got something for you. I've got something for you. What are you going to do? What do you have? That is exactly what he's done right here. And he said, I've got something for you. And it will help you. What? Now, imagine that you're the devil, like sitting out in the lobby, and you see this all happening. What are you going to do as the devil? What's the devil thinking? No! Don't help them. Then I lose all power in their life. Don't help them, God. This is exactly the struggle that you see between the religion and the Holy Spirit. Because God sent a helper. He sent you himself. Why? Because doesn't his character and his nature demand, demand that he gives you his best? Then if he's given you something, what's he given you? His best. And who are we? Golly, listen to this. Who are we to tell him no? Who do you think you are to tell him no? Do you understand? Like I've been at that place where I, I pushed back on the Holy Spirit before. But we've got to get to the place where we start to realize, wait a minute, that is wrong. He said it. This word is holy. This word, is it, it is God speaking, inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is, the word became flesh. This is Jesus talking. This is God talking to us saying, I'm going to send you a helper. Who are we to say, well, I, I want this part of you, but not this part of you. Are we consumers of God? Like, are we telling God we want it my way? Like, well, you know, fix my burger this way. I mean, is God behind the counter with a little, you know, burger hat on? I mean, it's funny to think like that, but it's also so very serious. No. Do you, you understand what you do when you say, well, God, I want this, but I don't want that? No, you are making God someone who is just subservient to you. And yes, he wants to serve you and he will give you his best. But you're telling him that his heart and his character and his nature is not good enough for you. It's not good enough for me. Sorry, Lord. And this is what religion tries to get us to do. To see God as if his character and his nature is two-sided. Well, he was good enough to give me his good enough to give me his son, but I don't know about this Holy Spirit. Like you, like we, we have a right to judge God. Whew. Yeah, you feel it? Like we have a right. Now, who do you think you are? Now, I know that y'all are, y'all are pretty receptive of the Holy Ghost. But see, these are things that we need to get inside of our heart because it can get us off if we don't understand this. 
And not only that, but then your religion, it likes to constantly pick away at your foundations. And so it'll pick away at the Holy Ghost. It'll pick away at what the Holy Spirit does because you don't understand it. You don't, well, I don't, I'm just not that kind of person. It will pick away at who God is. What makes us think we have the right to judge who God is? The only thing we can say is, I believe in you and I accept you. Other than that, he is who he is. But I can tell you, he is good. He is love. He is pure and he's perfect. And for me to say, I want this part of you but not this part of you, is to say that that part of you is not good. That part of you is not perfect. And I have a right to judge it. Whoa, whoa, time out. We need the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need His every action and we need Him to be on top. We need His manifestation, right? Uh, over, uh, quickly turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now see, here I want you to understand something. What I'm attacking this morning, I am attacking something, if you hadn't felt it. I'm attacking something. I'm attacking the spirit of religion. Now, how it affects you personally depends on how much you've allowed that spirit in your life. But regardless of, of how you feel about it, what I'm giving you is the truth of the Word. And the Holy Spirit's bringing this message out in a beautiful way because I didn't have this plan. But what I'm saying is you can either determine right now I'm going to humble myself to the to God or I'm going to humble myself to the ways of the flesh. And that's your choice. But it's always up to us as to how we receive the Lord, but we're also responsible for the testimony that comes out of how we've received Him. In other words, if I never received these clothes, my testimony would be different because I didn't receive a piece from Him. But if I receive from Him, my testimony can be different. So how you receive the Holy Spirit and how you receive the things of God has everything to do with what you show to the world and you're responsible for that. We are responsible for that. So we've got to see it that way. So, all right, Lord, I'm going to humble myself or, all right, Lord, I'm going to fight back because I think I know more. No, we're, we're going into the Word. I want you to see this. This is just uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And it's talking about here about spiritual gifts. Uh, verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to become Unaware. Then skip down to verse 7, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But to each one, now this is talking about what we call the gifts, right? It's talking about what we call the gifts. Now, the gifts are what? If you look down at verse 8, it says, Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, faith by the same Spirit, gifts of healing, affecting of miracles. You know, miracles, have you ever seen miracles happen? They're, they're different. Why? Because it's a miracle. And uh, uh, a prophecy, <coughs> discerning of spirits. Here's more gifts. Various kinds of tongues, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. <coughs> now, all of these gifts, do they all make sense to the flesh? Your flesh probably, at some point, has stumbled over them, right? A little bit. I know mine, mine definitely has stumbled. I had to, all right, flesh, 
And I had to go back to the Word, find out what's God, what's not God, and then go with that. And so here in this section, you're seeing all these gifts. Now what I want you to see is these are things that the Spirit does. But I want you to see this in verse 7. But to each one is given, talking about the gifts, a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now it didn't say to be bad. It says why well, he's always given us his best. He's given us good. He's given us love. So he manifests. Do you realize when you see a spiritual gift, he's manifesting himself. When you see the working of miracles as a spiritual gift, that is the Holy Ghost. That is God himself manifesting himself in that miracle. When you see uh, the gift of faith rise on somebody and all of a sudden they look, they just, you know, they're like David going at Goliath, you know, I mean, wah, right? And that gift of faith, that is the Holy Ghost manifesting himself in that person. Well, it's the same way. When you see the gift, there's various kinds of tongues, but the gift of tongues operating on somebody, that's the manifestation of God himself. That's not just an action. That's a manifestation of the person of the Holy Ghost. That's him. It's who he is. And so if we fight those manifestations... We're fighting him. If we're opposed to those manifestations, we're fighting him. And now again, we're back to judging God. We don't have the right to do that. We don't have the right to do that. He is who he says he is, and he's good and he's love. We don't have the right to do that. Anybody getting something out of this besides me? Man, this is feeding me. So now let's go back... <clears throat> Chapter 16 of John. Verse 7, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for, I do not, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now listen, before I go any further, I want you, I want you to know this. The guy who sits back and judges God, I don't know if this is you or not and everything like that. That was me. I've been that guy. I imagine that you've probably been that, as most people have at some point, where they sat back and said, I don't know if that's God or not. But you have to understand that remember when God comes in and says, here I am, I'm going to help you. Right? That You have to remember the devil was sitting to the side going... Let me stop that. Let me stop that. Why? Because he doesn't want any good. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes, God comes to give life, life to the full till it overflows. Life and life in abundance, right? So you got to understand that the devil immediately starts working to steal the seed of a promise. To steal the seed of the word. He immediately comes and he starts talking about that to you. And you're, he does it many times through the character and nature of your flesh, where your flesh is saying, your flesh is like, I don't know about that. Or he'll have somebody, uh, uh, even a preacher, that does not know these things, and he'll get up and say, well, those things are passed away. That's not God manifesting. That's the devil. 
Well, that's the same thing the Pharisees said about Jesus. He cast out demons by the demon. It's the same trick that the Pharisees were using and our modern day church still hadn't figured it out. And they'll say, this is just strange stuff. Well, God's strange to your flesh. As long as you reside here in the capabilities of a fleshly mind and don't allow the Holy Spirit to work on you, humble yourself to a good and loving God who only wants to give you His best. As long as you reside here in your mind, you are never going to allow these things to come about because He says these things are spiritually discerned or they are spiritually appraised or they, they come about spiritually not by logicking them out. Not by figuring them out in your head. You are, let, me t- let me just spare you the trouble. You are not going to figure out God in your fleshly mind. He's too big. He's too big. He's too good. You're not, if you're waiting to do that, it's like waiting to have kids till you got plenty of money. It don't work. It don't work. Don't, you got to decide... Here's what it comes down to. You have to decide, Lord, you're good. You give me your best, and I trust you. It always comes back to a place of faith. I could give you, you remember uh, the, uh, the rich man and the beggar Lazarus? The rich man dies. He goes into hell, basically. And then the, the beggar Lazarus is with Abraham, right? He's in paradise there. And this is a real story that happened. And the rich man in hell looks up, sees the beggar Lazarus, and he says, tell Lazarus to bring me a drink. And he said, I can't. There's a gulf fixed here. But he says, send him back to tell my brothers, basically, that hell's real. And this is the response. Look, I'm going to paraphrase this. Basically what he says is, if they won't believe the Bible... They're not going to believe even if somebody raised from the dead. In other words, I can give them, let me paraphrase now, I can give them all the logic to answer every question, but it still comes back to, are they going to choose to believe? Are they going to choose to trust? Are they going to choose it? But remember... This is, we're not talking about a God. Yeah. We're not talking about a God yeah. who said, ah, they messed up, let them go. We're talking about a God that says, you messed up, you're even my enemy, here's my best. So th- see, this is, a, this is either an attack or a character witness of God. And you've got to decide, am I going to allow the attack on his character to be there or am I going to give testimony of who he is? And it all has to do with, do you receive the Holy Ghost? John said it in Luke Luke chapter 3, I believe it is. He said, there's coming one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I'm not even uh, worthy of unloosing his sandals. But he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And then Jesus himself, just like God, steps into the room and says, I've got help for you. So he says, look, if I go away, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, 
I will send him to you. And what I'm saying is, I've been that guy that questioned. And you may be that person too that is questioning the Holy Ghost. But you got to understand that the devil has been working overtime to keep you away from the goodness of God, to keep you away from help. He's been trying to keep you away from the character of God who, who's always given you his best. He's working overtime so that you won't take hold of the very help that you need. There's a story. There's a story about a guy uh, who walks into, uh, who walks in, he's in the desert and he's dying of dehydration. And right before he's about to die, he sees a tent. And uh, in the tent is a bunch of people. In the middle of the tent is a table. And on the table is a glass of water. And, and the guy walks in and he goes, Oh, I'm about to die. I'm so dehydrated. Oh, please give me that glass of water. And then and, and the people are like, take it. You know, here, here it is. And, and but he goes, oh, but if you just give me a glass of water, I wouldn't die. And, and then he gets religion. I'm like, you want to pull God into it. If I just have a glass of water, I would not die. But I would remain and be a strength and a pillar. If you just give me a glass. And they're like, it's right there. And about that time, in the middle of all his religion, he falls dead. Because he'd rather hang on to a character or personality or what somebody had told him that was contrary to the truth than pick up the glass of water and get the help that he needs. So it's up to us. See, God's already done it. He's already laid it out. It's up to us to pick up the glass of water. Lord, I trust you. You see, it is all about the character and nature of God. And whether or not we believe it and whether or not we trust him. It's all about that. And the devil, oh, he's attacking it because he didn't want you to have the glass of water. He didn't want you to have the help. He didn't want you to be empowered to be the witnesses that God has called you to be. Verse 8, and when he comes, the helper, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, a lot of times people read that and they put a lot of condemnation on there. But look at what he says, concerning sin because they don't believe me. In other words, he'll put on conviction. He'll say, hey, you need help. Your, you, your sin has been rampant in your life and you're not in a good position. That's, that's just like when you go to the doctor and they say, look, you're in bad shape. You need to change some things, right? You've been in bad shape. You need to change some things. You need to change something. Well, do we get mad at the doctor because he tells us that? No, we just say, okay, right? Well, this is what the Holy Spirit does. He's not like, you're a sinner. You know, a lot of times people would call him hellfire and brimstone. Hellfire and brimstone is not necessarily bad. It's kind of what we classify that is kind of the spirit behind that. It's kind of a religious spirit. It's like how bad you are. God's not looking at how bad you are. He's looking at, he says, I'm pleased with the world. When the angels announce Jesus, I'm pleased with you because he's not seeing you through your lens. He's seeing you through the lens of Jesus. Now that Jesus is on the scene, I see you through Jesus. Oh, I'm pleased with y'all. Y'all look good, right? That's, that's how God announced it because he looked through the lens of Jesus. And so when it says convict of sin, it's simply to say, oh, 
You're, you're in trouble if you don't change something. Here, let me help you. That's all it is, right? And the power, how, do you realize you can carry this power? That's what was on me yesterday when the guy comes to the Lord because he's convicted, right? And he was probably drawn by the Holy Ghost because uh, he knows, the Holy Ghost knows, I'm going to lead him to the Lord. Yep. Uh, see, if you'll get to be one of these people that wants to be used by God and open up yourself to the things of the Lord, God can then bring and you'll become a soul winner. All of a sudden, God will bring you people that want to come to Jesus. But until you've got that and you're seeking first the kingdom to be a soul winner, then if he brings them to you, you might be like, you might let them go. We've got to make it, do the work of an evangelist. But see, here it is. We can be that person that's so filled up with the Holy Ghost so that when we get near somebody, all of a sudden they're like, oh my goodness, I need to change. It's just a wake-up call. Remember, it says over in 2 Corinthians 2, and verse 14 is where it says, but thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of God. It says, but to some you don't smell sweet, but to some you do. And the next verse says, some you smell sweet to, some you don't. Why? Because when you are walking in the things of God, you carry an aroma, and that aroma starts to convict that person. Now, to some people that are never going to tell Jesus yes, that person is saying, oh, it reminds them I'm never going to accept him. But for the ones that are, they're like, oh, I need to accept Jesus. It's a conviction you carry filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled with the Holy Ghost. He says, uh, concerning sin, because they don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer sin. Uh, see me. So what he does, he convicts the world concerning righteousness. In other words, not because you haven't done things right, and he doesn't convict you of sin because you hadn't done it right. He convicts you of sin because if you'll just believe, you'll be saved. Concerning righteousness, because you are not that guy anymore. I want to make you the righteousness of God in Christ. You didn't even have to do it. You simply just have to believe. In other words, he convicts us that his righteousness Righteousness is complete through Jesus. Accept Jesus and all of this goes away and you can step into the good things of a loving father who wants to give you his best. And then it says, and uh, concerning righteousness, because I go to the father, you no longer see me. In other words, the righteousness is going to be made complete when I go up to the father. And then concerning judgment, and everybody goes, oh, concerning judgment. Woo and it's like, I don't, I don't want to be judged. We're not talking about judging you. It says, because the ruler of this world, that's talking about the devil, they've been judged. And they've been found lacking. And now I'm going to strip him of every bit of power. I'm going to give it to my believers. And in other words, this is a victory thing. It convicts us of sin where we don't believe. It convicts us that we're made right with God. And it convicts us that the ruler of this world has been judged. He's got no power left. He's got nothing left for you. You are a victorious person because you are identified in Christ. Because I love you. I want to give you my best. And I'm not leaving you in that same place. The Holy Spirit does all of this. And people are wondering why their life is not on top. Because you need the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is designed to give you the strength to be who you are. 
to be who God's really called you to be, the one who he's given his best to. He's not withholding anything. He says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He'll guide you into all truth, God's best. He will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He'll show you what's to come. And look at this. Look at what God wants to give you. He's a good father who wants to give you his best. Look at these next two verses. He will glorify me. The Holy Ghost will glorify Jesus. Oh my goodness. If you were the devil, wouldn't you want the Holy Ghost not to be a part of a believer? Because if a Holy Ghost gets in a believer, that believer is going to be glorifying God. Well, that makes me, as a believer, go, I need more of the Holy Ghost. I need Him because I'm called to glorify Jesus. And see, a lot of people, have you ever felt like I'm not doing enough in my Christian life? I, I know it. I'm not living the way I should be. A lot of it's because we have not been continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're not walking with Him, full of Him. And, and there's not the power to live the way that we need to live. He says, he will glorify me for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. Disclose it right here. That word means manifest. In other words, he'll like, like if this is a, a gift, right? He'll say, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will take of me what's mine and he will manifest it in your life. That's exactly what he just said. But not only that, it doesn't stop there. Verse 15, all things that the Father have are mine. In other words, look, what does Jesus not have? He's got it all. All things, all, everything the Father has is his. So now when the Holy Ghost says, uh, I will, you know, when Jesus says the Holy Ghost will take from me, he's not just taken from Jesus, he's taken from the Father. Everything God is, everything Christ is, everything our Lord who loves us and wants to get us his best, everything that he has, everything that he is, the Holy Ghost's purpose and design is to manifest it in your life. What are you lacking? What are you lacking if he manifests God? Not a thing. See, this is the issue. Oh, the, the devil knows this. He knows scripture. Let me get people to lay off of the Holy Ghost. Yep. Let me get them. That's what the devil's saying. He says, Jesus said, all things the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine... And will disclose it to you. What a powerful Holy Spirit. What a plan that God has. So now the question is, aren't you asking the question? I hope you are. How do I walk in this? How do I walk in the Holy Ghost? How do I do that? Well, all you got to do is ask. 
Because by now, Jesus has already left the earth. He's already sent the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Father has been promised and received in the earth. And now it's simply a matter of us as children believing. How did you come to know Jesus? Did you wait, did you wait and go, when I feel it, then I'll have salvation? Did you wait like that? No. What does it take to get born again? Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. You take steps of action in that belief. In other words, when I say that's who I am and I believe him that God, uh, that he's my Lord and I believe that God raised him from the dead and I confess it with my mouth, it was action on that. Well, it's the same thing with the receiving anything from God. So many people, all they want to do, they don't want to take any responsibility. They, they don't want to apply any faith. See, faith is a responsibility of Christians. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. A lack of faith is sin. Listen, they don't want to take any responsibility. They want to step up and say, well, God, if you want me filled, you'll do it. Well, that's not how your salvation came. That's not how the Holy Spirit comes. Everything is by faith. Everything is by faith. So you got to say, no, I see that you promised it. I believe in my heart that you've given it to me and I receive it now by faith. I am filled with the Holy Ghost. At that moment, when you pray that and ask Jesus for that, he will start to fill you right then, right? He'll start to fill you right then. And generally what will happen is you'll start to have some syllables that will come up inside of you. And he's given every believer a language of prayer. This is not the gift of tongues. That's different. That's another teaching for another time. But every believer that's filled with the Holy Ghost will be given a gift of prayer. And they can immediately, all they have to do is start opening their mouth and speaking those syllables. And that language will start to flow inside of them. But what most people have been taught, if they've been taught positive about the Holy Ghost, is God will just overflow you. Well, you see, that would make you a robot. He's not going to do that. Everything you do is by faith. So I step out. And let's say that the syllable there that I hear is uh, like uh, uh, sa, right? Then I would just start saying, uh, and I, it comes up, and I just kind of get this this. Knowing in my mind, saw. well, you've got to understand that you have two feeds to your mind, right? And it shows us that in Romans chapter 7. One is the flesh and one is the spirit. But see, we're so accompanied to everything that happens in our mind is us that we don't realize there's a separation, that there's a difference. And so that syllable starts to come up. We feel the bubbling of the Holy Ghost a lot of times, but that syllable comes up. And all of a sudden what we're doing is we're saying, oh no, that's me, I just made it up. It is you, the spirit man that the Holy Ghost is feeding. And so as you step by faith out and speak that, that's your action of faith. And so when you just say, sa, sa. And you may say that for a week or a month. Or you may say it for two seconds and then all the rest of it will start to come. Because as you speak by faith, 
all of a sudden you step into the place of obedience and reception and now God can give you the more, right? That's the humility is beginning to speak that way. And so a lot of times what will happen is over time, be it short or long, you'll sa, sa, salosa de or it'll give you a phrase. And you speak that by faith. You don't, you're not speaking that uh, just out of your mind. You're speaking it from the Spirit through your mind. And He's doing exactly what He told you He would do. But if you were the devil and the helper was going to help you pray the exact things, like in Romans 8 it says, the Spirit helps what we don't know. And we pray out the mysteries of God by the Holy Ghost is what it's talking about. If you were the devil, wouldn't you want to stop believers who have authority in this earth from praying the right way? I would too. So what I'd do is I'd get them confused on the subject. I'd get them scared of it. I'd get them thinking it was a devil. I'd do any of that stuff if I was the devil, right? And that's exactly what he does. He even has preachers that will preach against it when we need the very help that they're preaching against because they don't understand that God is a good God. Yeah. And we need that help. God's design. Let's look at Luke chapter 11 and we'll be done. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. And uh, back there, go to Ephesians 5.18. Once you get to Luke 11, hold your place there. We're coming right back to it. But I want you to see something. This is not, this should not be an option to a believer. Well, we're talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost and God being a good God, His best. This should not be an option to a believer. should not be an option to the believer. It should be taken as a command. As we are being completely disobedient if we don't get filled up with the Holy Ghost. And with evidence of speaking in tongues. Why? Because the biblical... Uh, the biblical example of when believers got filled with the Spirit, they began speaking in tongues time and time and time again in Acts. So we should be seeking by faith to believe for that. Plus, we want the help in our prayer as well. So it's literally a little bit rebellious for a believer to not take God at His word. And I want you to see this. Because a lot of people are like, well, I, you're no better than me because you have the Holy Ghost. Um... Okay, let me deal with that religion right now. Uh, yeah, we're operating on a higher level because you don't have the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because God's Word says it. God's Word says it. Now, if you find yourself in that place, that should be great news to you that you're not filled with the Holy Ghost yet. That should be great news. Why? Because now... You automatically, the ceiling just got busted open for you and you can rise to levels that you've only dreamt of. Now, if you're prideful, you just look at somebody saying that, you know, yeah, you're not as good. But if you're humble, you'll say, yeah, I can rise to new levels right now. And you've got to make that choice in your heart. And that's not, that's not me saying that. That's the Lord. Look at his command as a believer to believers to the church. Command. Two believers, command, two believers. Ephesians 5.18. 
And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, if you understand about the language right here, this being filled, this is not a one-time occurrence. The, the verb here, be filled, in our English it would actually come across better like this. Be being filled. Be being filled. In other words, constantly, constantly be filled with the Spirit. This is a command. It's a command. To the church, be filled with the Spirit. Not only that, but I already gave you the example of God coming up here and saying, I got help for you. And wouldn't we go, yes, 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 yes. But yet now we get into the place where we're talking about what God actually wants. And because of religion and because of fears in our flesh and because of a lack of understanding of everything. Because guess what? When we yield ourselves to the Holy Ghost, He starts doing stuff and bringing about some things in us that our flesh is not going to like. And we're afraid of that. We're afraid of losing control. And now we're down to the root issue. Because God has not given you a spirit of fear but of power. He's given you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. And these, these things come through the Holy Spirit. Don't you want to be empowered? Don't you want to be full and bold, right? Don't you want to not have fear? Don't you want to have a sound and disciplined mind? All of these things are through the promise of the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. It's that portion of God. It's God himself manifesting himself to you. That's where that comes from. And you've got to say, Lord, I trust you that you would not give me something else. Now let's read this. When we, he says, okay, look, I'm commanding you, be filled with the Spirit. And don't just be filled once. It should be a continuous, ongoing filling of, you know, I was filled with the Holy Ghost personally when I was around 11, Right? When I was around 11, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. But then I went a period of years, and I didn't pray in tongues for years and years. And I knew I was not filled up with it. But I asked the Lord. I saw it back in the Word as an adult, and I went, I need that, don't I? And the Holy Spirit inside of here, because I still had the Holy Spirit. I'm just not immersed with Him. It's two separate experiences, very clear in Acts, right? You receive the Holy Spirit when you get born again, but you are immersed in Him when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? And when I'm filled with Him. And so as an adult, I knew Him, but I was not filled with Him. And I said, I need to be filled, don't I? And he said, yes. And I said, how do I do that again? He said, ask me to fill you the same way as at the beginning. And when I start to come, pray in the Holy Spirit. Well, it was weird to me as an adult, because I hadn't done it in a long time. But I yielded myself. See, this is a matter of trust. It's a matter of humility. It's a matter of yielding. I yielded myself. I remember I was sitting in a bookstore, and uh, a Christian bookstore. I yielded myself, and right there in the bookstore, man, the same Holy Spirit that visited me when I was 11 visited me right there in that bookstore and started to flow, and the peace of God came on me, and the power of God, and I was a different Brian Wright, right? I was, I was like filled up. Glory to God. I just started praying. And it was just powerful, right? All I did was just ask him to do what he's already promised he would do. And I yielded myself. I humbled myself. And he did exactly that. Why? Because he loves you. And he wants to get you his best. His best. Say it with me. Say his best. 
<laughs> that was close. Now watch this. Luke 11, verse 1. How do we receive and walk in this? It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. All right. This does not sound like he's getting ready to talk about the Holy Ghost. But you've got to understand that if he's going to teach them how to pray, he's going to be helping them. What's the best way to help them after he leaves? The Holy Ghost. What's the best way then to pray? By the Holy Ghost. So he's going to start teaching them to pray, but then he's going to get them the real power, the real kicker behind it. He's going to show them the format, so to speak, but then he gives them the oomph to make it work, to connect it with their heart so that their prayers are the prayers of a righteous man who avails much and releases power, dynamic in its working. I'm going to show you how to do it. You do it by the Holy Ghost. So you have to see what he's what they ask him to do and then he says hey I'm going to give you the real answer to this but it's not just the answer to prayer it's an answer to life Lord teach us to pray as John taught his verse 2 and he said to them when you pray say Father hallowed be your name your kingdom come give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sin for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation then he said to them, right on the heels of, Lord, teach us to pray. He gave them some of the format. He's like, in other words, what he's about to say is, but that's not all. That's the format. Now let me give you the power behind it, right? And so he says this, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. From inside he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now most people in this story what they've done, this is so very important to see what's actually happening here. Most people think that these two people, the friend and the father are parallel. This is not a parallel story because you wouldn't get up and, and answer the door for your friend, but I'll do it because they keep on knocking. That's not God's not going to answer you until you keep on knocking. It's not a, a parallel, it's a contrast, okay? He's saying, look, even you, basically, if I could add these words to it, even you being evil, if somebody kept asking, you'd go do it. But God, that's not who, how God is. God is the kind of God you seek, it shall be open. It will be found. You knock, it will be open. In other words, so a lot of people have taken this, not knowing the character or the heart of God, thinking that God's withholding something until you seek and ask and knock enough. And he's saying, look, knock, 
it's kind of like this. David, will you stand here? Now, imagine I'm in the house and David's at my door and I want you to knock on the door. Knock, knock, knock. All right, now, am I at the door yet? No, but did I start as soon as he started knocking? Yeah, but am I at the door yet? No, so listen, he, he, he's sitting here and he's knocking, but he has to understand that I'm coming to the door. In other words, when we seek, ask, and knock, we're asking for a promise. As soon as we ask, God is on the way. An evil man, a man with all of our character and nature, he, even he, even he would, keep, would come to the door if the person was persistent. But the contrast is God's not that way because he's a good God who wants to give you his best. And as soon as you ask or knock, God starts manifesting the things of God. And it might not be at the door yet, but trust me, it came as soon as you ask on his promise. Now, if you're not asking one of his promises, then there's no promise for you to manifest. But if it's on his character, if it's on his nature, if it's a promise of health and healing, if it's a promise of prosperity, if it's a promise of the Holy Ghost, when you ask, we have to be the kind of people that says, oh, I know. When I ask according to the word, it shall be done unto me. And while you're standing there, he's saying, look, just keep it in your heart. I'm on the way. I came, I started as soon as you knocked. And all of a sudden, door opens and here comes the promise. This, this is the same thing that we find, thank you, sir, same thing that we find in Daniel he says, uh, when you prayed and you asked for help, the angel shows up 21 days later. And when, when he knocked, he said, I was released. I was sent as soon as you asked. But I was held up in the spirit because Jesus hadn't won all power and authority yet. He said, I was held up in the spirit by the prince of Persia. Right? I was held up, and I was, but I was on the way the whole time. This is the character and the nature of God. And so when we ask anything according to the name of Jesus, according to his character, his nature, and his promise, it's on the way. I can't sit at the door and be like, I wonder if God heard me. No, he heard you. If you, if you prayed according to his word, he heard you. It's on the way. So instead of going, oh, Oh God, I, I prayed this a day ago, like it was at least two minutes. Lord, God, please, I pray. Are you hearing me? Right, that's belligerent. That's rebellious. That, that's also not knowing how loving our Father is, right? And so the contrast here is God is not like that. That's not the way God is. God is the kind of God. So don't sit there at the door just like, is God ever going to answer? No, sit there at the door with a loving Father who wants to give you his best going, oh, my Lord is on the way. I don't know how. I don't know when that door opened, but I promise you he is making his way to the door of my life. He's making his way to the door of my house and his promise is going to be manifest and it's going to be awesome and it's going to be his best because his character demands that it can't be anything else. Yeah. He's a good God. Amen. He's a good God. So then he says, so I say to you, because God is this way, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. See, these are absolute promises. Look, he's saying have faith. When you ask, you're going to get it. 
Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be opened. Just because the calendar turns, don't drop your faith. Just because the date changes or the time on the clock doesn't says something differently, don't drop your faith. Don't drop it. You ask, according to the word, it's my character, my nature, it's my promise, you'll get it. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. He says, now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Oh, man. What kind of father would do that? I mean, I imagine there's some that have done that kind of stuff, but they are not of God. That's a bad... He said, he's not... You ask for a fish, he's not going to give you a snake. All right? He says, or if he asks for an egg, he won't give him a scorpion. If you then being evil, now see, there's where the contrast comes in and that's how you can really see that before he was making a contrast between evil man and a loving father who wants to give you his best. He says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Remember the original question? How do we pray? Let me show you. You need the Holy Ghost. And when you ask me for it, I'm not going to be like, a, like an evil man that lets that thing get replaced. I'm not going to let that thing get counterfeit. See, that men have produced a fear through religion that when we ask for the Holy Ghost, we're scared because we're afraid we might get a demon. God's telling you right here, when you ask, now look, you go asking some man for something, that's one thing. But when you ask me, when you ask me, Jesus, he's saying, when you ask Jesus for the Holy Ghost, I'm not going to let that thing get counterfeit. Amen. Can't happen. Amen. Because I'm not like that evil man. I won't let it happen. Now, you go asking something outside of the word, that's not wise. But if you're asking Jesus for his promise of the Holy Ghost, you will receive it. Amen. You will receive the helper. You will receive the comforter. You will receive the, the teacher. You will receive the strengthener. You will receive the one who gives you boldness to be who you call to be. You'll receive the one who will teach you how to pray. You'll receive the one who will have power backed in your prayer. You'll receive the help. That Have you ever just wanted help and you didn't even know what you needed? You just needed help? That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost. Now I'm telling you right now, if you want the Holy Ghost and you want the helper, come up now and ask. And even if you've received the Holy Spirit before, even if you've received the Holy Ghost before, but you're saying, I'm not going to be one of those that just gets baptized in the Holy Ghost once. I need the helper and I need him now and I need him to be full all the time. If you've wanted to pray out the mysteries of God, to pray in the Holy Spirit, that's what you need. You need the filling of the Holy Ghost. If you just want your relationship to go higher you need the Holy Ghost. It's Him, a God who loves you, who wants to give you His best. And the Holy Ghost is His best. And Jesus sends Him specifically for you. 
because he loves you and he doesn't want to leave you. So if you want the Holy Ghost, not only that, but if you want to be the person that says, I'm not going to be rebellious anymore. He told me to have them. I'm going to have them. I might not understand it all, but Father, I see it in your word. I trust you and I ask you to help me. If that's you, come up right now and let's just stand here. Lord, we just ask you, as they're coming, Lord, we need the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need the prayer language of God. We need to be able to pray in the Spirit to be filled. Right now, now listen, truth be told, there's more you supposed to be up here than there is. You can't hear that message and not be moved in your heart. Now, I just bind any spirit of fear that would try to hold you back. And it's time for you to take a step of faith and say, Lord, I need your help. I'm not going to let fear. He's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. You're sitting there needing help in every area of your life. And here's this message on the helper. And you need it. And I've given you the word on it. And it's time for you to respond. Come on up. Now, I know not everybody's in that boat. But I'm saying if that's you, no matter what the reason is, I need help. I need your empowerment. I need to be obedient to the Lord. I need to take my, my life with Jesus to another level. If that's you, come up now. Come on. Don't let the devil bully you into sitting still. And that's exactly what he's trying to do. Some of you have had the Holy Spirit already ministering to you. Holy Spirit's ministering to you. I'm calling you to more. I'm calling you to higher. This is the higher. You don't go there without Him. You don't go to higher in God without God. You don't go to higher in God without God. Yeah, thank you, Father. Yeah, make a decision to put down fear. Make a decision. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I can feel it. Yeah, I sense it. Yeah, Lord, we just come against... If you pray in the Holy Ghost, pray right now. Coming against that spirit of fear. If you're sitting there going, Lord, is that you calling me up there? The answer is yes, he's calling you up there because there's nobody... There's nobody he doesn't want filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, thank you for your boldness. That's awesome. Glory to God. Boldness. It's so important. I'm not leaving it. You got to understand. See, what I'm doing right here is I'm battling for you. I'm battling for you. Because I'm not going to allow a spirit of fear to have its way over your life as your pastor. Because it would be a lot easier for me just to pray for everybody and be done. You need the Holy Ghost. Y'all are awesome. Y'all are so good. Boldness of kids and children. We need to be bold as men. 
and women of God. Bold, Lord, I need you. I need you. I'm not going to allow another day to pass that I don't walk with you. I need the boldness of the Holy Ghost. Now, I just want to tell you, if you feel like you've got a job to do, like playing the piano or covering people up or, or catching people, uh, look, put the job to the side if you need to be in this line. You need to be in the line more than you need to cover somebody. The Holy Ghost can cover them up. You recognize, listen, it's not me putting pressure there. That's the Holy Ghost drawing you for help. Drawing you to help. Drawing you. He's drawing your heart. You've been asking for help. You've been asking for help. He just gave you a message on the helper. You've been asking for it. It's time for you to step out in faith and boldness. Step out in faith and boldness for the help that you need. Play something back there, Sherman, lightly. We've got to become the people that say, I will not let anything come in the way of my Lord and His plans for my life. I won't let anything come in the way of my Lord and the plans for my life. Yeah, play something more worshipful. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm not letting anything. I need the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Some of you, you're going to be receiving before I even get to you. The word shows in Acts. The word shows in Acts time and time again where they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. He told Timothy, stir up the gift that's within you when you received it by the laying on of hands. The gift was the Holy Ghost. When I lay my hands on you, you just receive the promise of the Father. It's not me filling you. I'm just playing the part of the hands of Christ today. It's Him Filling you with the Holy Ghost. Filling you. If you need to come up, you come on up. Look, there's no condemnation. This is the place where we applaud your faithful step. It's so good. It's a victory when you choose. It's a victory. Didn't I tell you earlier that the devil would fight, fight, fight? To hold you back from the very thing that God wants you to have. He would fight that. Religion would fight it. And why am I carrying on here? Because the Holy why am I why am I waiting? Because the Holy Spirit is drawing people. And it might not be you, but He's still drawing people. And if it's not you, then you need to be praying in the Holy Spirit that you're filled with 
to get up here. And if you're not filled with the Spirit, you need to be up here. I just gave you plenty of Scripture to show you that that's His Word. I'm, I'm, allow, I'm allowing you to be strengthened, the time to be strengthened to receive. Because the promise of the Father, oh, is it some kind of magnificent. You need the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Reasons why you should be up here. One, God commands it. Even if you've been filled before, even if you're just bubbling over with tongues right now, we're supposed to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled. He commanded it. It's a command from who you claim to be Lord and Savior. It's a command from the one that we are supposed to be obedient to. Number two, it gives us the boldness to glorify Him. Number three, it gives us the ability to pray out the mysteries of God, pray the perfect will of God. He brings us the help that we need. He brings us the comfort that we need. You ought to be so irritated with the devil that when you recognize that he's trying to pull anything over on you, you just jump just because of that. Because he's not giving you, God has not given you a spirit of fear. That's not the Lord. That's not the Lord moving on you. That's the spirit of fear. That's the enemy of God trying to get you to do the things an enemy would do. And so when you recognize that, you say, all right, Lord, I need to rise to a new level. Another reason to be up here, you know God's been calling you to a higher place. You know God's been calling you to walk on a higher place. You know he 